Hey, this is Sarah Groves, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick James. I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. Once again to episode number 15 of Voices in My Head podcast, the official Rick Lee James podcast, where we are not afraid to ask the tough questions, but we are afraid to give the answer. But we'll keep asking the questions anyway. I am Rick Lee James, and I am your host. I'm really glad you could be here with me today. Just a few things to get out of the way, and then you get to hear the real reason you came today, the interview with Sarah Groves, great, great artist, singer, songwriter, author, and you're going to want to stick around and hear that. But at the beginning of the show, we got to get the business stuff out of the way. So as you all know, I do this podcast weekly. I don't get paid anything for it. It does cost a little bit of money to do a podcast. And so I was brainstorming about how can I get some sponsorship and just support. I don't need tons or anything, but it does help to offset the cost a little bit. Things like Skype calls and just expenses that go in, recording equipment and stuff like that. So I thought, what if we offered a sponsorship program on the show. You don't have to give me a set amount or anything. You can just go to my website at rickleejames.com and it'll say tip jar and you can add a little money to the tip jar there and then send me an email and tell me if you want me to give a shout out to something that you're pushing right now. Let me give you an example. I have in front of me folks right here a bag of chips. They are not any ordinary chip. They are popcorn chips made by popcorn indiana they are gluten-free they are whole grain they are 100 percent natural and they are delicious wait for it yeah where else can you go and hear somebody crunch popcorn chips online that's just a for instance today's show is not sponsored by popcorn indiana but if popcorn indiana would like to they're more than welcome to uh if you feel like you would like to you know maybe it's something going on at your church maybe it's a product that you're uh, advertising for yourself and you just want a little bit more exposure for it we have over a thousand listeners at this point on voices in my head and it's kind of a nice way to get some exposure to things maybe you just want people to go to your facebook page and click like you can do that here on this podcast So uh, if you feel like you want to be a part of that and actually get something in return uh, for Voices in My Head, once again, I I love doing this, and um, I don't make anything off of it. It's just to help kind of make some... uh some money back on some of the expenses that's there. So let me get the business part out of the way. That is done. I promise no more asking for money, uh, at least on today's show. Well, folks, time is ticking away. I'm older today than I have ever been, and you people of the future that are listening to that right now, the same is true for you. So you don't want to miss the opportunities that are given to you in your life. I've got a few concert opportunities that are going to be coming up, and a couple that I'm really excited about. Actually, in just a couple weeks here, April 25th, for those of you that are in Kentucky and might be living near Buffalo, Kentucky, on Wednesday night, April 25th, 7 o'clock p.m., I'm going to be doing a free concert at the Buffalo Church of the Nazarene. You can go to my website, rickleyjames.com, and find schedule information for that. Uh, We're just asking for donations that evening, so uh, I'm going to be driving down to Kentucky once again. That's April 25th. Hope you can join me if you're in the area. Uh, We're going to have a good time together. Going to be sharing 
some new music, some old music, and be having just a great time together fellowshipping that night. So uh, come on out. Also, this is something you want to mark your calendars for, I hope. I'm going to be recording, at least the plan is right now, my first ever live album on September 7th. We're going to go to the historic Clifton Opera House, which is a great little venue here in Clifton, Ohio. It's a small place. There's not tons of parking, but there's a whole lot of great atmosphere in there, and the sound is just brilliant in that place. And I uh, did a pick-and-party concert there last year, and I had the idea that uh, I wanted to do a, a live album. And uh, I'm planning on uh, doing all of my new psalm songs. That's kind of hard to say if you say it fast, psalm songs. Uh, I've actually been recording in my studio for quite some time, uh, just trying to get the songs out. And I thought, you know, a lot of these songs are going to have a different feel live. And I'm not sure a lot of you get a chance to hear what I do live, which is really kind of where I feel like I do what I do best, uh, even more than on the album recording. So if you have September 7th open, it's a Friday night, maybe you could clear your calendar, come on out to the Clifton Opera House. It's only $7 a person. Uh, it's going to be a live album recording that night. Maybe you want to be on an album and you've never had the opportunity to do that. Well, you can come out, cheer loud, sing along, and you can be on the album that evening. So mark your calendars for September 7th. That's going to be coming up. You can also go to rickleejames.com and find out about other appearances that are going to be coming up in the next several days, uh, several months, weeks, years, whatever. There's a reason I don't talk for my living, folks. I can't seem to talk today. Well, I want to get into uh, question of the week because, well, it's it's one I'm passionate about this week because I did what is called a Daniel fast all throughout the season of Lent. went on for about six and a half weeks. It ended on Easter. And through that fast, basically all I could have were fruits, vegetables, nuts, anything, you know, that was natural like whole grains, things like that. Couldn't have any sugar no dairy, so there wasn't any cheese, you know, and sugar isn't everything, even if you use ketchup or whatever, so you couldn't have anything like that. Got to the point where uh, I actually was just enjoying eating that way. Easter Sunday came, and for the first time in six and a half weeks, I had a couple slices of pizza. It was delicious, but I'm kind of back on it now. And so uh, it worked out well that the question of the week actually has to do with food this week because my guest today, Sarah Groves, actually played at President Obama's prayer breakfast, Easter prayer breakfast, just a couple. Actually, it was uh, a week ago today. I'm recording this on Wednesday. And uh, so I thought, uh, let's do a question of the week that has to do with my own love of food and getting to have some of my food back in my life that I couldn't have before. And uh, also tie it in with the President's prayer breakfast. And here is this week's question of the week. Question of the week. The question is... What is your favorite breakfast food? Now, I have to say that I just threw up online. Oh, that sounded gross. I didn't throw up online, okay? I put up online uh, just a few different options, and I wanted people to be able to fill in their favorites if I missed it. So I put up things like pancakes, eggs, waffles, uh, Kellogg's, Pop-Tarts, cereal, yogurt, toaster, strudel, uh, and then you could add an option. And Matt Cole, Matthew Cole, uh, who has done every question of the week from back from the very beginning of when we started this podcast back in January, he wrote in, no biscuits and gravy, question mark, heretic. He called me a heretic. And there was one, two, three, four, five, 
six exclamation points after it. Not just a heretic, but a six exclamation point worthy heretic for not putting biscuits and gravy on the list. And then as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, apparently he's from Kentucky and I'm from Kentucky originally. And a lot of times people from Kentucky, we can't read. And so he probably didn't see that he could add an option. So I added biscuits and gravy for him. And friends, biscuits and gravy won this week. More people voted for biscuits and gravy than anything else. And uh, even my friend Rodney Brown from college actually got on there and uh, posted a little protest about B&G, B&G, and uh, his protest won out. My sister, Tony James, also wrote in and she said, you have to love the breakfast burrito because it's handy. Uh, eggs, bacon, cheese, hash browns, sausage, veggies, whatever you want fits inside. So uh, I like that option too, but you know I don't eat it very often, but when I get a chance, biscuits and gravy, oh, that's my favorite. Okay, anyway, enough of the food stuff. I've talked more about food on this episode than any episode ever. Thank you for uh, listening and writing in on Question of the Week. Uh, I haven't decided what the next Question of the Week is going to be. It's probably going to be comic book related because tomorrow I am leaving for the C2E2, which is the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, and there's going to be hundreds of exhibitors and comic book artists and writers and TV performers and actors and just you name it they're going to be up there in chicago uh when i go so probably the question of the week for next week is going to be something comic related so make sure you pay close attention at rickleyjames.com and the facebook page for voices in my head um we're going to move on now because we got some feedback this week and i'm really excited to get to share some feedback feedback well the feedback today comes from our iTunes listeners. I'm very excited. Uh, Every now and then we get some feedback, and I encourage you to do that because it helps us in our ratings, and it helps me too because I kind of know what uh, people are listening to and what they think of the show. And this uh, post is actually by Jay Carpen J4, which is Josh Carpenter, I believe. Um, The heading is Amazing and Informative. And he says, I really dig this podcast because Rick Lee James actually spends time with intelligent, talented, and oftentimes funny guests. If you're looking for something that barely scratches the surface of the guests featured, this isn't for you. Rick gets down to the nitty gritty. He's a very bright guy and he asks great questions. And best of all, he creates an atmosphere where the people he features can be themselves. He certainly provides us with more a more organic view of each guest he features. One of the best podcasts out there, in my opinion. Five stars. Thank you so much. All the ratings we have on iTunes right now are five stars. Both of them. So uh, thanks so much for being a part of that. And uh, I encourage you to, uh, you know, not to stroke my ego or anything. And Maybe you don't like the podcast and there's something you think I should do better and you want to chew me out or something. I'd prefer you didn't do that. But I do like to hear from listeners, and so I'm very grateful. Thank you very much for uh, writing that in. It is a uh, privilege to be able to do this, and it's a privilege to get to be able to talk uh, to these guests. I'm amazed that they want to talk to me. Um We've had some great ones, not only Sarah Groves today, but you know Brian Zahn last week. Good grief, that book is just wonderful, uh, un- unconditional. You guys really need to read it. Uh, Trip York, another amazing author we've had on the show. Uh, funny, funny guy, but he writes important things for the church. We've had Brandon Hancock, we've had Brandon Sipes, we've had Michael Card, we've had uh, Andrew Peterson, we've had M- Matthew Cole, um, we've had Kyle Northrup, I'm... 
blanking on who else we've had. I know I haven't listed 15 people. But anyway, uh, we've got some great guests, and that trend's going to just keep continuing today. Um, Sarah Groves had some wonderful things to say. Uh, if you've ever listened to Sarah Groves' music, then you know what I'm talking about when I say she's one of the best singer-songwriters out there today. If you have not had the opportunity to listen to Sarah Groves' music, uh, you would do well to find a copy of it. Um, they even have some here at the local library here in town, so maybe you're short on money, but you can go check out something from the library and listen to music there. Uh, I'm going to play a song for you going into this interview. But we talked about songwriting. We talked about her spending some time last week with President Obama. Um, now, how often do I get to uh, to talk about that with people that I have as guests on the podcast? That was pretty awesome. Um, so I'm not going to talk much longer here. Uh, just to say, though, um, support people like Sarah Groves. She's a really uh, not only just a great artist, but a really, really good person and uh, who loves the Lord. And, you know, she kind of wears her heart on her sleeve whenever she writes songs. And I could tell just by talking to her in the conversation that we have that her love for her family, her love for her God shines out. And she's just trying to be a sincere person uh, who writes about the common experience of humanity and spirituality and where we are with God. So um, I, I like to be able to support people like her. If you haven't done so already, visit her Facebook page. Go to her website. Tell somebody else about her. That helps us musicians uh, in, in unbelievable ways. So uh, she's a very gracious person and was gracious enough to call in. There is one point I have to tell you in advance that the call cut out just a little bit. So you hear a little bit of science, silence and me trying to get the call back. Um, you'll hear my dogs barking at one point because somebody rang the doorbell uh, during the podcast. The great thing about podcasts is you can just keep that stuff in, I guess. But uh, anyway, going to start today with uh, the interview with Sarah Groves with one of her songs, which is my favorite off of her new album, Invisible Empires, and it's called Scientists in Japan. And we're going to actually talk about that in the interview, too. God bless you and enjoy this interview with Sarah Groves. Just to say 
Okay, well. My guest today is a contemporary Christian singer, record producer, and author. After receiving a Bachelor of Science degree in History and English, she spent four years teaching high school in Rosemount, Minnesota, before recording her first album, Past the Wishing, in 1998. Since then, she's released nine additional albums and appeared on many others. Sarah has been nominated for three Dove Awards, including New Artist of the Year in 2002, and Special Event Album of the Year 2003 by the Gospel Music Association. She was named one of the best Christian music artists of 2005, and the album, Add to the Beauty, was named Album of the Year for 2005 by CCM Magazine. And there's much more to say, but today I welcome Sarah Groves to Voices in My Head. And Sarah, thank you for being here today. Well, um, I know that you just had, I think it was a week ago today, you had a pretty amazing experience to uh, to play at a very special breakfast that involved the president, and I want to talk about that in just a second. But I always ask my guests every time they come on, I put out a question of the week, and um, I thought, well, this week, since we're going to have to do with the breakfast you played at, and I always ask um, the question, this week is going to be, what is your favorite breakfast food? <laughs> Uh, oatmeal, definitely oatmeal. Oatmeal, oh, going the healthier out. All right. <laughs> I, I asked with that, lots of brown sugar. Oh, <laughs> I asked that question on my Facebook page, and every week it's a different question. And the people from the South just reacted because I put several breakfast foods on there, and I didn't put biscuits and gravy. And uh, <laughs> there, there was almost a riot, I think, from some of my Southern listeners. So uh, we had to put that on there too. But well, thanks for answering my silly question. I always do one of those every week, but. Maybe you could tell us as kind of a, an awkward segue into the next part, but I know you got to play at the President's East, Easter Prayer Breakfast last week, and could you just tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, from oatmeal to the President. That's right. Um, it's uh, It was a pleasant surprise when we found out we'd been invited to the White House. Uh, we were on our way down to spring break to spend time with my family in, in Missouri, and uh Trey called me and said, um, the White House just called, and, and can you be part of this Easter prayer breakfast? So um, we were honored, of course, and we um, went and spent a week in Missouri and then drove out to Washington, D.C., and last Wednesday we um, were part of the Easter prayer breakfast. And this is something that Obama, President Obama began um, two years ago, I think, and um, it was a really uh, – on many levels, a very incredible experience. The, the building itself is so historic and amazing, you know, to be sitting in the room where Lewis and Clark made their plans and things like that. As an ex-history teacher, I was having a lot of fun just, you know, taking the tour and learning about the about the White House. And, and then it was a very um, broad, you know, sort of assembly of Christian leaders from, you know, I, I recognize some people from television and, you know, so there was a diverse group of, of uh, different uh, Christian leadership there. And, and so it was, it was just a very um, – it was a neat experience. There was definitely a, a, a lot of grace in the room. You know, the next day I picked up the newspaper and there were, everyone was kind of back at it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it was a – the, the morning was very special, and I, I was just honored to get to um, lead everybody in Great Is Thy Faithfulness. That was definitely a highlight for me. Wow, that's a pretty amazing thing. Well, what a great song anyway, and 
course, you know, all I know about the White House I, is largely informed by watching the TV show The West Wing. So, you know, if I if I didn't see Bradley Whitford there or, uh, you know, Martin Sheen walking down the hallway, I think I'd be disappointed. <laughs> but uh, but that is really amazing. And so I feel like you're really slumming this week to have to come from the White House to talk on my podcast. But I appreciate you doing that today. So. Um, well, that's just an amazing experience. Did you sing anything else, or was Great Is Thy Faithfulness the main thing that you did? I sang He's Always Been Faithful, which is a song I wrote kind of based off of Great Is Thy Faithfulness, and then I led everybody in Great Is Thy Faithfulness, so just really the one the one song and then the sing-along. Wow, that's great. Well, that that is really neat. I enjoyed seeing some of the pictures online and uh, just even getting to hear some of President Obama's remarks that day, so very cool. Well, uh, this interview in some ways was actually brought about by a guy who I believe is a friend of yours, Michael Card, and I had him on as a guest on my show a few weeks ago uh, because he had a new book coming out, and uh, we talked about that for a while, and through the course of the interview, we got talking about favorite songwriters, and he said on that particular show that his two favorite writers are Andrew Peterson and Sarah Groves. And uh, so, first of all, how do you react to something like that when you hear Michael Card thinks you're his favorite writer? I mean, he's he's amazing. He um, he has always been so generous to me from the very beginning. He, our very first tour was with Mike, and um, and he's one of the kindest, most generous people I've ever met. And he uh, when that when I was just opening for him, you know, and he would introduce me like I was the Queen of England. He would basically tell his very faithful audience, um, I don't care what you do, but you got to leave with a Sarah CD, with one of Sarah's CDs. So he would, was always so generous to, to promote um, what we were doing and, and let everyone know about it. And I still to this day, I have so many people um, who say, you know, I – I heard about you through Michael Carden, and, and um, so he's, I mean, he's one of the most talented guys out there. He, he's got such, still, such a beautiful voice, and his, um, he's so thoughtful, and his lyrics are so profound, and um, I, I still, I love to listen to him, and, and so it's an honor that he would, that he would say that. And I, I think he's unique in that when I've seen Michael, um, and I, I unfortunately didn't get to see him on the tour you were on, but um, it seems like when he brings an artist on to open for him, it, there's uh, it's exactly the opposite of of you know like like this person is below me in some way. Like it really seems like he's really set up this model of making it kind of a community experience and, and allowing anybody who shares with him to, to be an equal and come out and, and just share together in this community space. And I, I think that was probably your experience with that, too. Very much so. He, um, yeah, he is very genuine, and he is um, always looking to help his friends. And, and more than anyone I know, he's just extremely generous. And uh, like you said, he's uh, sincerely he, I remember him one night. He said, "He's like, I can retire now. Sarah's making music, you know. Kind of, in other words, if you followed me now, I would like for you to follow her. I want you to support her. And that's for an for an artist to just hand, you know, basically to to tell his audience, um, hey, mm. I want you to do this. And and his audience is very committed to him, you know. Yeah. So, um, it, he, yeah, he's very generous. And and I said at the end of that tour, I said. Trey and I said, what can we do to repay you? You've, you know, you've done so much for us. And he said, 
live this way, be this way with other people. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and that really impacted us and changed the way we did. You know, at the time, it was, and it still is, to, to buy onto a tour, you know, where you had to pay to play was pretty, you know, uh, was happening everywhere. And, and we just felt really strongly after that that we should never have someone, and we should never do that, that we should only, you know, if we wanted to support an artist, we should support them. And so um, that a lot of that worldview is shaped by, by Mike. That's great. I, I was I actually, in a couple of weeks, I'm having uh, Jason Gray on the show, and I was reading an article that, or an interview with him the other day, and he said, that you did that very same thing for him, and he mentioned the way that Michael influenced you, and he said he had just uh, about given up on music until he got a call from you guys, and so I just I think that's just such a wonderful thing. The way that I'm seeing, um, I I think I see that a lot in the, the Christian community, and I'm you know a struggling artist myself, and it, it does me good because there's been people that have helped me out along the way too, and so I just you know God is so good, and I'm so grateful to see. Um, people who are in a place and a position to bless others are doing that, and so. Yeah. Um, but but thank you for you know I'm sure that you had a, a a great impact even allowing Jason Gray to come on your tour and gosh the you know we've been blessed with so many great songs by him and maybe we wouldn't have heard him if not for you so thanks for yeah. that. I don't know if that's completely the but he <laughs> yes he he was. Uh, he he was a huge blessing to us too. I mean, Jason is extremely gifted, and he was definitely hitting a wall, you know, when we came, when we joined together. And, and that's that's the great joy of being in community with people. You know, mm-hmm. if you're down right now. I'll be down later. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, it's good. Well, that's great. Well, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, some of your songs, and but maybe first we could just talk about um, who are just some of your favorite writers, and they don't necessarily have to be, um, you know, Christian writers, because I think we're influenced by all kinds. But can you just name a couple off the top of your head that have been a big influence on you? Um, definitely. When I was, um, I, I grew up listening a lot to Peter Gabriel and. When I was in high school, that was my kind of the soundtrack of my, you know, that I was had on repeat. And uh, I grew up listening to all, you know, to the um, Amy Grant and and um, uh, Russ Taft was a favorite of mine. Um, Table in the Wilderness was one of mm. my favorite records because it was just so personal. And he was um, he was coming out of a lot of struggle with addiction and different things like that. And he was writing about that where before he had been sort of writing. Uh, music more like along the lines of Imperials and things like that. And he was really confessing his own heart, and that's always really spoken to me very deeply. When I was in college, I um, loved the band Indigo Girls, and I, I don't know if you can love one half of a band, but I, um, <laughs> the music of Amy Ray feels real. It's kind of angry. It's it's pretty cynical, and and you know comes from a pretty seems seems like a pretty bitter place, but the. Um, the other songwriter in the group is Emily Sailors, and she just writes very confessionally, very, um, you know, she just is pouring out her heart. And I remember I was in college, I remember thinking, I want to write like that, but from a Christian worldview, you know. And um, and just, I always feel like when, when people tell the truth about where they are, um, even, if they, even if they're not professing Christ, um, people... But- are you to take a full account of life? Are to me that resonates. 
Oh, um, I'm sorry we lost you for just a second uh, on the oh, line there. Now, I, actually, you just said whether they're Christian or not, and then we lost you for about 10 seconds, and I didn't hear what the rest of it was. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. Um, I, uh, I'm i on a landline and everything. I thought that wouldn't happen, but um, or just when people are confessing, what, whether they're, you know, uh, whether they're following Jesus or not, when people are conf- are taking a full account of, you know, the world and of, of their life of joy, hardship, of all those things and are confessing, to me that's a very beautiful thing. And I feel like um, within, and then especially so in, you know, in a Christian worldview, to me that is um, then the hope that, refl- you know, that can reflect in that uh, is just, it's very powerful and it always has been to me it it speaks to me when someone is really you know just talking about their own struggles and and so i've attempted to write music that is is like that is very personal and um you know i i feel like testimony begets testimony and so that's a lot i mean sometimes i'm not i'm writing about other people i'm not always writing about myself but Mm. um but even sharing someone else's testimony i think it's if it gets more you know other people then start talking you know and start saying you know that's been my experience too and that's amazing and when i had uh, andrew peterson on a while back we were actually talking about that very thing and um, and he was talking about when he got to meet paul simon and uh, they were talking about some of the same things about just um, sharing your story through music and I love how Andrew put it and I don't think it was an original quote with him but he had said that you know you really have to be human before you can be holy and and I, I just thought that was such a wonderful way to bring that out because it's really the humanness you know we were made to be human and that experience that God gives us um, whether we feel like it's pious or not it's worth sharing and uh, so, and I, and I think you say you attempt to do that, and I would have to say I think you, you not only attempt it, you do a very good job of it in, in your music, and that comes across. Um, I, I'd like to ask you quickly about your, uh, your calling and how you made a transition from being a school teacher into being a singer, like you're doing now. Well, in a nutshell, um, my. Uh, it really was my husband who, he was the bridge for me. Um, I didn't know anybody in the Christian music industry or or any music industry for that matter. I didn't have know anyone who did music for a living and, or anything like, like even near close to this. So I, um, it wasn't a paradigm I was even familiar with. But um, And my husband either, but he, he just really felt like my music, He you know, I was writing music and playing it occasionally at church and then in my piano room, you know, and he felt like, I think this music is, bigger than your piano room. So he started um, he started just diving and learning everything he needed to know about music, the music business and, and just got behind me in a big way and he's always kind of carried the vision for us and and, uh, and still does really. I mean, I think people ask me all the time, how do I get how do I get into music and how do I get started and I always think, you know, man, I don't know cuz <laughs> you know, I my path was to marry Troy, and, and he had, it turns out his calling and his, you know, his gifts um, were along those lines of, you know, he's been just an amazing artist in artist management, and he's, he's just been incredible. So I, I know a lot of great songwriters who don't have a Troy Groves in their life, and um, <laughs> and I, I know that it's really what you see us do is the two of us. That's very much, that's not just lip service, that's really, 
reality that um, I'm really most of the time not even involved in in music, and then you know then I show up and <laughs> and get to sing, and and that he's the one to, you know really carrying the weight of the work and the connections and all of that stuff. Well, isn't God good to give us uh, spouses that can really help us, you know, become better than what we would be without them? And, and uh, I, you know, definitely I, I can see that in all that I that I read about you guys. It seems like uh, you two are just each other's rock in a lot of ways. And so uh, that's that's really great to hear. Um, well, on a, on a personal note, and I, I want to talk about your latest album, but... Um, on a, a personal note, I guess I would say I, I've always wanted to thank you for a song you wrote with Paul Balash named uh, that was called "You Have Been So Good," and uh, I heard that a few years ago. And that song for me has just been uh, such a way of when I go to worship and whether I'm singing it in church or not. Um, there's times that I come to God literally mourning and literally grieving, and I just love the line that that says in there, "I came here mourning, you brought me joy," and uh, or you know, and um, just coming to God with brokenness and finding joy, and and so so on a personal note, let me thank you because that song has meant so much to me through the years, and so I appreciate you guys writing that together. But and uh, and I know that. Um, that was co-written with Paul Velas. Do you do you do a lot of co-writing? I I think I hear a lot of your music, but I don't always get a chance because of the digital age. Um, I don't always get to see liner notes and know who you're writing with. Do you do a lot of the the co-writing? I do some. I I um each record I probably have three songs where I will co-write or work with someone else together. You know, on something. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't used to very much at all, and I I do enjoy it uh, a lot. Um. Uh, but I don't live in Nashville. Sometimes it's hard to connect. You know, I, I'll go specifically to Nashville for a writing trip, hmm. and, um, and that's always a great experience. Wow. Well, your album, Invisible Empires, I understand there's kind of an interesting backstory behind that, that I, I think you had written it out of a time of writer's block. And uh, I wonder if you could share some of the uh, the making of that album for us. Yeah, I experienced. Um, I'm trying. I can't remember my timeline now, but I guess it was. It's now been two years ago. I had um, just a, a really long stretch, about a year, that I couldn't. I just wasn't able to write, and for, on a lot of for a lot of reasons, I was just having some personal stuff go on, and and I'd go to sit down, and I just I I didn't, and that's never happened to me. I mean, I've you know. Um, I've always been able to write music. I mean, that's been, that very much is the way that I process life. And I remember telling Troy, you know, I just, um, I I was going through some stuff and was really uh, depressed and and having, I had been struggling with anxiety and stuff. And um, and I said, I just don't want to write music from this place. I just, uh, you know, I didn't, I just had a lot, you know, just that overwhelming apathy that you, that you get and when you're stuck in. And Troy just said, you have to write to get out of this place. You know, you're not going to be able to get out unless you start to write. And so, um, and I knew that that was true. And so I went to Nashville to write. I wrote with Dave Barnes and um, Jill Phillips and Andy Gullihorn and um, Allie Dahlgren. And uh, it was just that with each, you know, co-writing session, I was, you know, at times in tears, just like I haven't, I haven't been able to write anything. I, you know, hmm. here's. You know, here's here's a notebook of old ideas, but 
Um, so it's just, it, it's for any, it, you know, more than anything, just kind of sitting with friends, talking about, what, you know, how did I get stuck and how do I, how do I get out of here? And, and it really did help me to just start, I just started writing, you know, kind of like I don't feel like it, I don't feel inspired, I don't feel it. Kind of the way I've always sort of operated with music, it's just those, those paths aren't, they're broken right now, but um, I just started writing anyway. And, and then, you know, I prime the pump, and at first the rusty water comes out, and then <laughs> it starts to get a little cleaner, a little pure, and, and uh, you know, and then, and then I hit, you know, hit my stride again and was and really enjoying um, writing songs and and so it was it was sweet to the really the first time that I wrote when I breaking out of that was the song called um, mystery and um, that to me is a, a very personal song on the record of just kind of like me groping in the darkness and, and on many levels you know um, just having trouble you know with just with uh, anxiety and fear and a lot of different things and doubt and just wrestling and um, not with God, I just I feel like I did that a while ago. You know, I did that. Uh, I wrestled like, who is God? Is He good? I feel like that 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 was kind of I did that a while back. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, really got to place where I resolved God was good. This was a different type of season. So anyway, it's, so it was just it was a really sweet time to to emerge from that. And and then what do I want to write about? You know, and, and Invisible Empires ended up being a, a really fun record for me to make. And and um, it wasn't. Um, uh, it was, you know, there, there. I always had my moments of second guessing and everything, but I had a, a I was ruminating on a lot of things, and, and it just seemed like it really did come together. Hmm. Well, it's it's quite an album, and I believe it was. Uh, I believe Steve Hendelong produced this CD. Yeah. Uh, yep. And and it's it's really good, and I have to tell you, the song that I just keep playing over and over again. Uh, is is one that you would think was probably the hardest lyric to put music to, but scientists in Japan, uh, man, what a great song that is, and it it asks some really good questions, but it's got a good sound too, and so I, I put it on and and I, it just goes through my head again and again and again. And I'm always singing, who's gonna who's gonna stay here and think about it, you know? And uh, it, it, what's the story behind that song? Because it's really a, it's a very clever song, and it's actually I think an important song. But I'd love to hear where that came from. Yeah, I was at a kind of a think tank type event, um, and there was a bioethicist addressing us. He was a believer and um, really neat, thoughtful person, and he was saying he spent a whole year of his he took a year off work to go from to go from uh, college to college, Christian, he was going to the Christian colleges, liberal arts colleges, to ask them why they don't have a bioethics program. Mm-hmm. And um, they were all saying, you know, well, kids don't, come, students don't come here for bioethics. And he was just trying to get someone to, um, you know, it basically feels like we've abandoned this whole issue to, you know, to secular thinkers. And, and he said, you know, when they, they, they can call up a hundred guys to, to get on TV and talk about you know their their worldview, and he said, but there's only a couple of us that are really defending it. You know, uh, um, you know, thinking in Christianly about bioethics, and so this made me think. He said, he said, you know, at church, all we want to do is open our open your Bible to Luke, and you know, turn with me to Luke. And he said, if I were to get up in church and say, look, scientists in Japan are building a robot to take your job, or you know, this is happening in in Germany or whatever. He said people would boo me off the stage. We don't want to talk about this stuff. We don't want to enter in here. So 
I guess when he said that, I thought there was a little bit of a a pushback in me. I thought, you know, I'm going to write a song that starts with the line, scientists in Japan are building a robot to take your job, and I'm going <laughs> to – my goal is to make it um, – it's going to be whimsical, and it's going to be <laughs> likable, and, and people, you know, and hopefully maybe people will think about – you know, the point that he said that really hit me at home, he said, if you're caring for aging parents or if you're having children, you will face increasingly complex ethical decisions. Mm-hmm. And if you have not thought through it, you will be caught off guard. And um, and I thought, wow, that's important. You know, it's important yeah. that we, you know, I don't know if you talk about it on a Sunday morning, but hey, why not? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, and so he's saying there's just, there are not a lot of believers going into the field, and he feels like we're kind of abandoning the field. And so I just thought, well, you know, that that's where the, the thought came from. Like, hey, who's going to stick around and kind of hash it out? I know it's it's tough. I mean, it's hard to be the only the only believer in a room full of you know people who just don't you know aren't thinking Christianly about bioethics. But um, yeah, that thing just keeps rolling forward without really a lot of thought of where we're headed. Hmm. And I find that on so many different issues, and I think maybe that's one of the things that I find so smart about the song is. Um, oftentimes in the church, uh, it's not even just bioethics. I just feel like even among church people, it's impossible to have conversations about uncomfortable things sometimes. And I I really feel like um, the church should be a place of, uh, it really should be a place of safety, um, of where we can come in and say, you know what, we're we're secure enough in our God and we're secure enough in who he is that, that we can talk about things. And we may not always come to the same conclusion, uh, but the conversation needs to be had. And so that's, uh, that's such an important thing. Who, who did you say it was that you were listening to that you got that concept from? His name is Nigel Cameron. Nigel Cameron. Mm-hmm. I, I may have to look him up. That's a, that sounds like a, a great conference you got to be a part of, too. Yeah. So. Well, um, I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but is there any just personal favorite moments on the album for yourself that uh, you talked about one song already that you thought was probably your most personal, but just any favorite moments that happened in the recording and writing process? Well, um, one, one would be for me song-wise. I, I really right now resonate with obsolete. Um, that song came out of it's kind of many layered for me. Um, I have uh, my grandfather is going to be 90 this summer, and he is one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's just a really sharp guy, and he was an artist, all a visual artist, all of his life. And so he's very thoughtful, and he's writing poetry about what it's like to be 90, and it's really beautiful poetry, very, um, very vulnerable of him to open up about what it's like to be elderly, and and it's hard to be elderly, and it's really hard in our world to be um, old, you know, and and people. I think are becoming obsolete earlier and earlier. You know, they have this sense of being obsolete because our culture so kowtows to youth. And um, there's nothing wrong with youth. I mean, it's, it's awesome it's to be celebrated, but we, are, I think, are almost like so, um, I don't know. I, it just it feels crazy to me sometimes that that we don't honor our, um, you know, elderly, honor elderly people. It's like being old is gross, and, and mm-hmm. that's, that said, many times, I mean, just watching TV, you know, a handful of minutes and you'll come across, you know, a few references, especially in sitcoms and stuff, that, like, being old is gross. It's it's, it's creepy, you know, and um, that, that stuff, it just bothers me at the deepest level because, um, well, first of all, I'm headed there myself, and, um, 
you know, I, I mean, I definitely could have insecurity about being um, nearly 40 in, you know, in a pretty young industry or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, and wonder, you know, hey, is there is there a shelf life to this? You know, should I sort of like not write music anymore because I cross some kind of, you know, age line or whatever? Charlie Peacock keeps telling me, no, <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> you, you know, people will come and go. I mean, you know, you may not always be right in the middle of things, but you keep writing. And so I, mm-hmm. I plan, you know, I plan to keep uh, keep being creative, obviously, keep making making music. But but that just uh, that hits me hard. And then and then not just elderly people, but then you have a whole group of people who are just marginalized. They're for whatever reason they've been they've been labeled weird, misfit, you know. And for all of our like sensitize, you know, I believe there's so much effort to, to sensitize people to bullying and all this stuff. At the same time, I feel like there's just such a rampant. It's what it, what is sort of acceptable and cool is just that feels like that that is getting more and more narrow, you know. Mm. So um, I don't know. It is. It's just. It's kind of a. This song was born out of my own real feelings and my my feelings about other people as well. And just at what at one point, I think all of us have felt obsolete. We felt like. You know, where I'm not sure where I fit, and and um, I use a lot of technology references in that song because to me the internet kind of it can create this sense that you're just like there's a party everywhere and you're not sure where it is, you know, and uh, and you can spend all this time building these virtual you know virtual things, and I don't know, I just maybe that's old fashioned of me to 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 criticize that even, but I I feel like um, again like who's going to think about these things and yeah. say well time out, you know like there are a lot of lonely people. Why? If we're all so lonely, you know, um, isn't there a way to, to connect and be in person? And I'm way, 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 way more into being face-to-face with somebody, you know, and, and meeting up with a friend for lunch than, like, spending a lot of time on the computer. That's just not my nature to spend a lot of time on the computer. Anyway, so, um, anyway, so yeah, so that that song is, is um, I don't know, it was really an important thing I wanted to say about, you know, um, people feeling obsolete, and, and that, it just it bums me out that so many people do feel like they're misfit and they don't have a place anymore. Yeah, and I think you're right when you talk about that too, because I I think even in the church we spend a lot of time uh, talking about the unborn and the rights of the unborn, and we've for, forgotten sometimes that there are so many elderly that um, you know, even just need somebody in the nursing home with them sometimes, you know, and, and we've forgotten that, you know, well, for one thing, we're going to be there, but also there's such amazing wisdom and, uh, so many people, I, I think in terms of just like artists and, you know, I mentioned Paul Simon earlier, who I, I think is nearly 80 now and people like, uh, Johnny Cash, who I think in his later years before he passed was making some of the best music he ever made. And uh, they can be such a rich source of of newness, you know. Even even though they're getting up there in years, there can be such life that comes from them. And yeah, absolutely. So that that's wonderful to to hear that you have that as your heartbeat and and the way that you're writing. And you know, I think about my own grandparents who are getting up in years and. Um, and I, I often think that that's how they feel, is feeling obsolete. Although my grandma is one to hop on Facebook and on the Internet and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it amazes me sometimes the way they, they can do that. So. Yeah. Well, I, I want to give a chance just before we go. Is there anything that you would like my listeners to know um, about maybe anything going on with you, your your website, concert 
dates or anything like that or the best place to go to find out more information about you? Uh, com is the best place, and that is, um, that's where you'll find everything, our concert information and what we're up to and, um, yeah, all those good things. Wonderful. Well, Sarah, it has been a real privilege, and thank you so much. I'm sorry, you probably heard my dogs barking and my doorbell ringing and everything else during the conversation. (laughs) So it's just, uh, that's one of the beauties of podcasts, is you can have those kind of things in there. (laughs) But uh, thank you again. It's so generous of you. And I feel like we completed this little triad of having Michael Card, and then Michael Card's two favorite writers have all been on the show now. So I appreciate that so much. Good. Uh, well, you have a great day, and uh, I, I guess I can still say Happy Easter since we're just a couple days past Easter, technically. So. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for being one of the voices in my head here on the podcast today, and I just wish you all the best, and I hope to be able to see you in concert, in concert live one day soon. Thank you, uh, Rick. All right. Well, you take care, and blessings to you. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Again, thank you to Sarah Groves, and you can find out more about her at sarahgroves.com. And I don't want to get all political as we end up here because I'm not a Democrat, I'm not a Republican, I'm a Christian, and um, that's the main thing. And like she said when she was talking about being at the uh, White House breakfast, um, she said you know it was kind of a, a neat time to be there together where everybody was just kind of united in Christ and said the next day, Um, You know, everybody was back to doing all the attacks and everything. And uh, I'm not playing this uh, to be partisan in any way, um, but President Obama had some really nice remarks, actually, about Easter. And I just wanted to close this episode by playing some of those remarks uh, for the listeners today, kind of in honor of uh, the prayer breakfast that Sarah had the honor of of playing at, because really it's not about... um, it's not about political parties or anything like that. Um, Easter is cosmic, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to be a Republican or a Democrat, and you don't even have to be a supporter of Obama to appreciate truth when you hear it. Um, and I think he says some very truthful things in this very short Easter address. And I know um, that Easter, a lot of you think, probably was just last week, but actually the season of Easter is seven weeks long. So I just wanted to share some words from President Obama um, about Easter and uh, say blessings to you all. And I hope you had a great Easter and continue celebrating the holiday of Easter together. Um, keep those cards and letters coming, folks. Uh, I love to hear from you and hear what you think about the show. Go out and buy a Sarah Groves album. Mark your calendars for september 7th uh for the live concert that i'm going to be recording here in clifton ohio and uh we'll see you guys next week on voices in my head god bless you and may he be with you and shine his face upon you for millions of americans this weekend is a time to celebrate redemption at god's hand tonight jews will gather for a second seder where they will retell the story of the exodus And tomorrow, my family will join Christians around the world as we thank God for the all-important gift of grace through the resurrection of His Son and experience the wonder of Easter morning. These holidays have their roots in miracles that took place thousands of years ago. They connect us to our past and give us strength as we face the future. And they remind us of the common thread of humanity that connects us all. For me and for countless other Christians, Easter weekend is a time to reflect and rejoice. 
Yesterday, many of us took a few quiet moments to try and fathom the tremendous sacrifice Jesus made for all of us. Tomorrow, we will celebrate the resurrection of a Savior who died so that we might live. And throughout these sacred days, we recommit ourselves to following His example. We rededicate our time on earth to selflessness and to loving our neighbors. We remind ourselves that no matter who we are or how much we achieve, we each stand humbled before an almighty God. The story of Christ's triumph over death holds special meaning for Christians. But all of us, no matter how or whether we believe, can identify with elements of his story. The triumph of hope over despair, of faith over doubt, the notion that there's something out there that is bigger than ourselves. These beliefs help unite Americans of all faiths and backgrounds. They shape our values and guide our work. They put our lives in perspective. So to all Christians celebrating the resurrection with us, Michelle and I want to wish you a blessed and happy Easter. And to all Americans, I hope you have a weekend filled with joy and reflection, focused on the things that matter most. God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. You can also download my free mobile app from iTunes and on the Android Marketplace. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.